The RPG After Years is part of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Find out more at probablywork.com. Welcome to the RPG After Years, your weekly show covering all things RPGs from the past, present, and future. This is episode 63. I'm Rich. And I'm Scott. Today we are going to take a dive into the reasons why we love RPGs and why we what why it tracks us to them. It's the uh, very basis of this show's existence, so it's high time we examine why we do it all in the first place. But before that, let's see what we've been doing this week, guys. Scott, why don't you kick us off with your massive lists that you've played? Well, you know, last week was a normal episode two, so I thought, hey, maybe I won't have such a massive list of games that I've played this week. But <laughs> Lies. Uh, okay, I'll try to get through this quickly. Um, of course, World of Final Fantasy. I have actually not started this segment, but I did go back and do a shit ton of side quests. Um, like I went and cleared out all the Merc Rifts and did as many Colosseum battles as I could feasibly do and caught a bunch of Mirages I was missing. And But that took like five or six hours. So <laughs> I was surprised. I thought it would be like a quick like little session to clean up everything. that Because uh, you know before when we were going through the uh, areas, it's like a lot of the Merc Rifts and the secret areas were like too high level for me to us to take on but now i had no problem with any of them so Ooh. but at least that's out of the way so i can uh continue forward with good confidence you completionist <laughs> right um still played a couple stages of Lara Croft go nothing much to say there still liking it generally although usually i play it while i'm in bed about to fall asleep and my brain is too tired to solve the puzzles so <laughs> that's problematic uh, Corey's been playing Persona 5 Strikers. He has gotten... He's in the middle of the... The key, the the Kyoto Jail, I believe it is. The one of... Well, I, it's hard to say without any spoilers, but they're, the game is acting like it's the final jail. I bet it's not going to be. But uh, he also did a bunch of side quests yesterday. Hmm. Um, so that one's actually... Seems like it... Like I don't think we're like necessarily at the ending, but it seems like it's on the downwards track now. Okay. Um, Pokemon Sword. I started to do the post game, and then I was like, my team is questionable because there's like five types on the spectrum that I don't even have a move for. So uh, I w I decided I wanted to get like some more Pokemon. Try to find like I need to find like a Psychic and a Fairy or something that I like. 
Um, and then I found out that, well, basically I started the DLC because I was like, well, maybe I'll find more Pokemon that I like there. So I'm on the uh, Isle of Armor and I spent a while exploring that. Have you played any of the DLC, Rich? Um, I think I played a little bit of it. Um, I basically got off the train and around that first area and that's about it. Nice. I've heard the uh, second DLC is the is the quality one, and the first one's kind of meh. But ah, uh, okay. We'll see. I kind of liked the. It's like an expanded wild area, kind of. Hmm. Um, I booted up Smash Ultimate a couple times because I'm trying. I have these online. There's like this thing in the game called challenges, and it's almost like achievements, kind of. Um, and I've got done all of them except for the online, the ones that involve like fighting people online. Oh. Um, and so I'm trying to do this thing to where like I try to do one online match a day to like finally get towards completing those challenges. And, uh, it's the problem is people online are way better than me. So yes. <laughs> typically I can beat some people like, uh, uh, a couple matches that I played, I, I won. I was like, wow, I actually won. Um, but I've got to beat like a total of 50 people. So, <laughs> uh, I've got 10 under my belt, I think, or something like that. 50 different nice. people, I should say. Well, would it count if like I hopped on and you beat me up? Probably. Oh. <laughs> I get your Smash tag. Do you have Smash? No, I don't. But it's something I've been thinking about getting. It's fun. I mean, I really love Smash. But yeah. Um, mentioned this before the show. Been playing some Nautica on stream. Um, do you, we talked about it last week, right? You know what it is. Yeah, I know what it is. It's coming to Switch at some point. Oh, it's not out on Switch yet? No, not yet. Hmm. Um, I'm like a low-key obsessed with the game now to the point to where when I'm not playing it, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do when I do play it. Like, <laughs> I, like I started building my base finally this week, and I'm like, okay, I need to put in a new multi-purpose room. I need to get um, a radio in there. I need to make sure the structure of it's sound. Uh, maybe pipe in some air from the surface. I need to get a vehicle bay. What if I put a bar, in, a mini bar in there? It's like, <laughs> I woke up this morning thinking about it and I made a checklist of things that I want to do next to my play. So <laughs> it's fun. It's, it's addicting. And, um, it took me a while to get into it because I did, like, didn't understand the gameplay loop at first. Because it's like, what, I'm just supposed to be gathering shit? But I don't know. I love it. And there's been a couple times where it's made me jump out of my seat from like, not necessarily jump scares, but like, enemies popping up out of nowhere and attacking me that I didn't even know were there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I can't wait to play some more. Also started the B side levels on Celeste, which I love Celeste, but I've never done the B and C side levels because the game is pretty challenging. And these levels are meant to be like just for the challenge. Like here's some hard shit. If you, if you're a masochist. So, um, I tried that at first I was playing, I was playing it on the... I don't know if you know this, but I've gotten into the habit of uh, playing Switch games while I'm on the treadmill because yeah. I have like a TV in there. Um, and I tried doing the first B-side level while I was on the treadmill. It takes way too much focus to, do, <laughs> to walk and do that at the same time. I literally almost wiped out. Like I tripped and like had to <laughs> grab onto the bars um, because like you're so focused on the, the jumps and like the pinpoint platforming that you like... Like for me, I would some I would forget to walk at the clinch moments. So. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, Let's so, say you die. Yeah, so I'm not going to play that on the treadmill anymore. So that might be a slow process of actually getting through those. 
also started a uh, shovel knight the original shovel knight uh as something to play on the treadmill i've been enjoying that um a lot more than i remembered because i played through most of it with Corey years ago like four or five years ago and just never finished it um but that's a lot of fun Here's a good one. I started Final Fantasy 2 this week Ooh. on my never-ending journey to finish every Final Fantasy game. Um, You'll get there. I'm still pretty early in. I'm at the uh, the Simit Cavern, which is like the, the first big dungeon, I think. And uh, I thought I would dislike it based on everything I've heard, but I'm actually kind of digging it so far. Um, and I know Frost is playing along with me as well. So... Um, I just got that, and then I got Final Fantasy three after that, and then all all I'll have left is the MMOs, more or less. Which Ooh. who knows if I'll ever do those. But <laughs> um, here's the only game I actually beat this week: the Resident Evil Revelations two, the Struggle DLC. Where's my clip? There it is. Do you remember me complaining about that last week? Yes. It was like, it's the one where you have to hunt, and then if you, it, like, how well your hunts go depend determines how many lives you have, and then if you run out of lives, you just, the game's over. You don't get any saves or anything. Um, I managed to get through that. It took me a couple try a few tries. The second time I died, I was, like, peak rage mode. I was, like, ready to go and just look up the cutscenes on YouTube, and Corey was <laughs> like, no, you're just too drunk. <laughs> Dude, try again tomorrow. <laughs> And then I did much better the next day. So, um, and then finally, I did start last night Disgaea One, which is our current Golden Years game. Um, my main motivation for doing that was to, if I was like, well, if I'm playing, maybe that'll spur Bill on to play it, because Bill's the only one who has a responsibility towards the Golden Years these days. But it's been like months now and he's only a few chapters in so <laughs> i don't think he likes it uh, i don't think so either it's a it's a strategy rpg which he is not a big fan of to start with um i literally just did the tutorial last night so i'm not far in either but so far i'm like I'm not sure about this <laughs> but i'm sure it'll get better as i get a little further in too early to really judge it on anything um but yeah that's about i say that's about it like it's nothing but I played a lot of games this week, Rich. A little bit of everything. <laughs> yes, I could see. Oh, man. What about you, dude? You get, it gets to my list. Um, I booted <laughs> up World of Final Fantasy just a little bit. Uh, I didn't do much. I just booted it up, and I was like, uh, I don't really want to play today. Let's not so do what we did not... last week and wait till the last minute. Yeah, but that's the challenge. Oh, that's the fun part? <laughs> that's the challenge, the stress. No, um, I, I'm booting it up this week. Um, I plan on playing so it today. Um, Outriders played a little bit more of that with a buddy of mine. Hey, didn't um, like the actual like full version of Outriders come out? Yeah, or... it came out. Okay, yeah, it's it's been out for like a couple weeks now. Oh, okay, never mind. Um, so what yeah, am it's, I thinking it's of? Um, Resident Evil, maybe. Anyway, so um, that's not bad. It's still fun. And then I have been playing more of this. Is where I've been putting like a little bit of time in it, a little bit in at a time this whole week. Mm -hmm. um, the Legend of Heroes. Trails in the Sky. Is that the one that Jay told you to play, or are you still playing the yeah. same one? Okay. No, Jay told me to put the other one down. Gotcha. And so, this is the one that has a slow opening, I remember you guys yes. saying? Yes. Yes. So how are you liking it so far? It's not bad so far. I mean, it's definitely old school like feel to it. Um, I enjoy it. 
so far. The story is still kind of slow, but I was expecting that. Everybody told me that's what was going to happen. Yeah. But I'm really getting the urge, like the urge is starting to get real to play Breath of Fire 3 because hmm. of that. I just love that game. Wait, because of Trails in the Sky? Are yeah, it's just because of the art style. Oh. It just feels like it. Hmm. So I was like, you know, I really love that game. But I've also been wanting to go back and play it. I haven't been been back to play that game in years, like 10 plus years. So and I have it on my uh, Vita. So that's the one that you can't get off the UK PSN, right? Yeah. So screw them. <laughs> Is it Breath of Fire Breath of Fire 3 or 4? That's supposed to be the good one. Or are they both good? Bill says 4 is good. I think 3 is the best. Gotcha. I I think it was 3. I remember playing it for a little bit when I was a kid, but I don't think I got very far for whatever reason cuz I think I rented it. So, mm. yeah, it's a long game. Yeah. Um the I know you you mentioned that you are thinking about that being your nomination for RPG mm-hmm. Club. Hmm. Yes, I am. <laughs> um so that'll be interesting to see how that turns out. That would be a game I wouldn't mind giving a shot anyway. And you could stream it. Maybe. I've got my stream schedule's pretty booked right now. I know. I'm just saying. You I wish stream. you could play it on Switch because that's where I'm getting in a lot of my personal gaming time. If I'm not streaming it, it's the treadmill, the Switch treadmill sessions. <laughs> yeah. And I keep, like, a lot of people are asking for it because one and two is already on the Switch. Yeah. That's interesting. So. I wonder why they wouldn't put the others. Huh. Oh, well. And I take it you haven't been playing any Resident Evil games. No, you're letting me down. I'm just going to do the review I, without trying. you. I'm just trying. I just <laughs> you you're like I got all these games played. I got this and like I. It's amazing that I get any time in our games. I'm just going to ban, ban your workouts. Your. <laughs> uh, what you need to do is figure out a way where you can like lift and then have a two minute rest between your your sets and that's when you play games on the the two minute set rest <laughs> usually during those breaks so i'm trying not to die i'm True. like catching my breath and just like oh my god why do i do this you're contemplating. just like covered in sweat <laughs> yeah i'm contemplating my life and yeah. my life choices at that point so understandable all right well is so, that it that's it that okay. is sadly it well, better than nothing yes uh so Moving on to our, our announcements real quick here. The RPG Club, uh, for anybody that's playing along with that, we are getting towards the end of this game. Um, so the current checkpoint is to complete Chapter 20 in World of Final Fantasy, of course, by Sunday, May 9th. And then the next segment of the club will be the final segment. Um, so we're, we are getting towards the end here. And yes. Once that's done, we'll you know we'll take a week break and then we'll start nominations for the next game. So I'm interested to see where we'll land this time. And then, of course, one final announcement: the Materia lockdown is ongoing. I finished mine. You should finish yours. You got till June 26th to get in on the fun. It's a charity challenge created by uh, our old host Bill. Basically, you play Final Fantasy VII, and a Twitter bot that Jay made will assign you the colors of materia that each character is allowed to use and it makes for like a more interesting gameplay experience for an old classic and you can find out more about that by visiting the website materialockdown.com made by yours truly yeah that's it for announcements okay so with that done guys let's uh get to the news hear you 
another round for all your news. Stop your clatter and listen close. Alas, you won't believe your ears. Listen close for the news. All right, so I have, this one's kind of weird. Go for it, Scott. Why don't you kick us off? Okay. So this is maybe the biggest story this week. There was an ESRB rating that came out for Ni no Kuni 2, Revenant Kingdom Princess Edition for Nintendo Switch. So I know there's a lot of people out there that are pretty big fans of the Ni no Kuni series. And I know that the clamor to get... I think the first one's already on Switch, right? Yes, it is. The clamor to get the second one has been... There's been a lot of people that have been wanting it. Um, And... While it still hasn't been confirmed, despite this coming out several days ago now, um, the ESRB and the ESRB rating does make mistakes. Everything that I seem to have gathered from just like how everybody's feeling about it seems to indicate this is probably real. Um, so a lot of people are really excited. For those that don't know, Nino Kuni is a um, RPG series that was originally on the the PlayStation, I believe, PlayStation Four and PC. Um, and it, the art style is like, I think the art is literally done by Studio Ghibli. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Um, if, if that's not true, then it looks like Studio Ghibli. Have you played either of them? I played the first one a little bit on my Switch. Um, I like it. It's a good good idea and good story uh, so far that I played. Um, I'm looking to go back to it at some point to finish it, um, or at least to play more of it. So, but yeah, it's it's not bad. I've always been mildly interested in trying them. Uh, I know I have a, a friend from college that always really wanted me to play them. Um, but I don't know. It's like, I, it's not that I hear bad things, but I also don't hear a lot of good things about it. Um, well, I don't think anybody plays a lot of it. That's the thing. <laughs> well, then how good can it be? I don't know. Developed by level five. I thought level five um, is no longer existing. I don't know. What, what? I'm probably getting two different companies mixed up, but which one is it that um, Sony just literally, they bought them. It was, oh, they bought Insomniac. That's a totally different thing. Ignore me. Um, but yeah, I know a lot of people are hyped about this and I wouldn't mind giving it a go eventually. I just got a lot more higher priorities. Anything else to say about this, Rich? No. Um, it's pretty good. Stay tuned. I, I'm all right with it. Yeah, stay we will, tuned. Uh, we will let you know on this show if it does get confirmed. Oh, okay. So level five international, uh, America, that's the one they stopped. They stopped. They halted operations last year. Oh, so well, I wonder who's owns the rest to Nino Kuni then. Mm. Also, what does Nino Kuni mean? Is that like a Japanese phrase? Is it like a MacGuffin in the story? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll look, let's see. What does it say? What does Nino Kuni mean? Rich it literally means the Google second. It, it literally means the second country. Oh, is it? Is it like a Japanese phrase? Yeah. Oh, why didn't they just the second country is a cool title. Yeah, uh, it's uh, or second world or short for another world. Hmm. Well, because when I say I'm going to go play Ni no Kuni, that just makes me feel like a big weeb. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Uh, yeah, we'll keep you posted on any more developments on that front. 
All right. So the next game uh, or the next story that we have is about a new JRPG inspired by the Chrono Trigger coming to the Switch. Um, this one is called Socially Deduction Fantasy Thriller based on JRPG. Um, the name is Social. De- There's no name for it. I just uh, didn't realize that. I didn't see one. Wait. Gen Conception, I think. Oh, it is. Okay. Gen Conception is a single player game. Um, you have to figure out who is a friend and who is a foe. Hmm. So I, I'm looking at it. It doesn't look too bad. I like the art style. Yeah. The thing about it is, though, like anytime, I mean, Chrono Trigger is like one of the biggest RPGs of all time. I feel like every other like indie RPG that comes out is inspired <laughs> by Chrono Trigger. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, the art style is good. It's got uh, turn-based combat. Um, there's more than one ending. So there you go, Scott. Oh, well, I guess there's a Chrono Trigger element. Yeah, the foe or foes can be can change. There's double and triple text, which is just like yeah. Chrono Trigger. Um, we're reading down the bullet point list here. I don't know. It may be worth keeping an eye on. It, yeah. It's coming soon. Uh, PC and Switch, May 12th. So maybe if it gets good reviews, we'll we'll take a, a closer look at it. Yes. Anything else to say about that? No, that was just kind of a little, little nice indie project. Okay. So this next one is uh, pretty interesting. Uh, this happened a couple days ago. Terry Crews, and I'm sure everybody knows who that is, the celebrity, uh, big, muscly black guy, but also very sweet and a well-known gamer, uh, Old Spice commercials. He uh, tweeted in all caps, localized mother three, <laughs> with, <laughs> with several exclamation marks. Um, so I'm sure this will finally be the thing that turns the tide and convinces Nintendo to, to indeed localize Mother 3 because if Terry Crews, if Terry, when Terry Crews tells you to do something, you do what Terry Crews tells you to do, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, the For those that don't know, Mother 3 is the sequel to Earthbound, uh, an SNES classic by Nintendo, and it has never come to uh, to America. There are some, there is a great fan translation of it out there that you can find um, to play, which I, I really want to play it myself because I've heard good, great things about the game and I loved Earthbound when I played it. Um, and the other thing is, I've heard that the re, that there actually was a localization in the works a few years back, or so, but Nintendo decided not to go ahead with it because there are some elements that by today's uh, standard would not be PC. Like, I think there's a group of characters that are gypsies in the game that are also like cross-dressers and it's like sort of played for laughs. So I can kind of get why they didn't, wouldn't uh, translate it, but I also feel like just rewrite that part a little bit or it doesn't have to be like a word for word translation. Yeah. It should be hard to change that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Reggie fils the former president of Nintendo, he also tweeted uh, a few weeks back that, it was, he was responding to a tweet like, what's the biggest game on your backlog? And uh, Reggie said, uh, the English version of Mother 3, but I, every time a fan asks me for it, I have to put it, it makes me want to put it down again. <laughs> so he's <laughs> just like trolling people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, maybe, like I said, maybe Terry Crews will be the, 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 the linchpin that turns the tide. I sure hope so. We'll see. So the next story we have is Monster Hunter Rise sells 6 million copies. 
it surpasses that. So um, it's it was supposed to place this monster at about eighth spot on Capcom's all-time bestsellers list, just about 300,000 shy of Street Fighter II. Um, wow. They had a mark of $5 million and it, it sold $6 million. So... Monster Hunter always, especially the, the tentpole Monster Hunter games, they always sell gangbusters. Yeah, but since they did that, and it was such a big deal, they actually, to co- uh, commemorate this big event, they gave another free item pack to available to players who can download by speaking with Shinri, um, the mailman, in-game. It's a current item pack. It's a, uh, let's see, 30 mega potions, 20 well-done steaks, large barrel bombs, Mega uh, demon drug and mega armor skin. Hmm. So I'll have to and, go pick those up. And here's me having never even played one. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it really doesn't seem like my thing because uh, it's like, it's very hunter gatherer, not much of a story, right? You play Subnautica. <laughs> okay. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, just throw that out. You. Maybe if they made an underwater monster hunter, I would uh, be down for that. I will say, I did watch a trailer that came out this week for Monster Hunter Stories 2. And that mm-hmm. looks way more, much more at my ally. Alley. Yes. Um, I, I got it pre-ordered now. Because I saw that, and I was like, you know what? This might be fun. So I got it pre-ordered. Yeah, it looked cool. And I like the art style, and it seems like there is more, ironically enough, a, a story. Involved. I think Jay so, wants it. I'm sure he does. He's a big, he's our main Monster Hunter guy. But actually, while we're talking about sales figures, let me jump ahead here uh, to... My articles I got here about some other sales figures. Um, Neo 2 has sold 2 million copies so far, which brings the series total to 5 million copies. Um, So I think that's also a pretty good number for what some would say is a somewhat smaller series. Have you played any of the Neo games? No, I have not. I don't even really know what they're about or what they're like, really. I'm a great RPG podcast host, guys. Um, and then also Shin Megami Tensei three Nocturne HD has already sold 250,000 in Japan and Asia. It has not yet come to the States or Europe. So it'll be interesting to see how it does once it's over here. The Shin Megami Tensei series sales are usually poorer than the Persona games. So I think seeing how this game does may affect how much energy Atlas puts into the series outside of persona going forward. Um, and we know we also got that SMT five that's coming to switch one day. It was literally like the first game announced for the switch. <laughs> um, or was it dragon quest 11? I can't remember one of the two. Um, and then finally speaking of persona, Persona 5 Strikers has sold 1.3 million worldwide, which is really good for a Musou mm-hmm. game. Um, yep. Let's see. One of the top-selling Musou games in the franchise's history. Um, the top-selling game, of course, is Age of Calamity, Hyrule Warriors, which I beat earlier this year. Um, yeah, so I think it's really good that Persona 5 Strikers did that well and hopefully they keep putting a lot of quality into these Musou uh, adaptations if there was uh, one franchise they would make a Musou game out of what would you want it to be Rich Um. okay let's see it's an easy one for me I don't know I haven't played Musou games very often 
I, I think the last one I played was Destiny Destiny Warriors. Hmm. Wait, Destiny Warriors? I didn't know that yeah. existed. Do you mean Dynasty? Dynasty, yeah, Dynasty. I was about Dynasty to say, Warriors. they made a Musou game out of Destiny? <laughs> no, 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 that'd be weird. Uh, no, I just can't think of any game that would be good like that. Hmm. I would say Final Fantasy, but I think if you just doing Final Fantasy in general would make it a, give the game a lack of focus, I'd want uh, Final Fantasy VII probably. That one would make the most sense. I wish they had done that instead okay. of the first soldier. Yeah, that's true. Which that they begin to, they've started to market that. I don't know if you saw they rebranded the Final Fantasy VII remake Twitter to Final Fantasy VII: The First Soldier. We don't have a news article in here about that, but <laughs> hmm. the game everybody's excited about. Anyway, sorry for the tangent. That's it for sales roundup. <laughs> um, so lo- there's another game that came out, uh, or was I don't think it was announced, but it's called Lost Soul Aside. And it's a gorgeous fast action quote, excuse me, quote fast action game coming to the PS5. I did not actually watch the trailer. Did you, Rich? Um, I saw bits and pieces of it because it's like 18 minutes long. Um, it looks really good. Yeah, and the main character looks um, a lot like Noctis, which apparently this game does uh, take inspiration from Final Fantasy 15. So, well, I mean, it was announced 2016. So, hmm. Now, now that you're, we're talking about it, I'm having like brief flashbacks to maybe having like talked about this at some point before. Um, yeah, it looks really good. I, I haven't watched the trailer itself, but the screenshots look really high quality. And um, let's see, the Devil May Cry composer, Devil May Cry Five composer, he's a he's writing the music for the game, and it looks like originally it was going to be developed by just one person, but now they are trying to hire a level designer, an animation designer, and a senior 3D character modeler. So, that's interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on this game because it looks like it may turn out to be something worth paying attention to. Yeah. But I don't really have any more info on it outside of that. But, yeah, stay tuned. Yes. Okay, so this is this is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> CD Projekt Boss is set to receive big bonuses despite Cyberpunk 2077 launch problems. So CEOs, as we all know, um, get paid big bucks, even if shit happens. So uh, the board of members of CD Projekt are said to receive big multi-million dollar bonuses this year. Um, let's see, set to the end of the year bonus of $24 million. Um, Zelati, which is, I think that's uh, that currency over there, which is $6.3 million in its annual report. Uh, members Cyberpunk Adam, but uh, Badoski is set to receive four point two million dollars in bonuses, while the rest of the employees got shit on. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I remember I read this article too, and it's I remember this, it said something like the board asked them if it was appropriate for them to be see, receiving such large bonuses given what happened, and their response was basically like, "Look, we made money." We divide that money. It's in the contract. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I get that. I get that approach, but at the same time, it's like, like you said, the developers were just the whole the whole debacle was not the developers' fault at all. It was the management, which I assume includes these CEOs and executives right. um, that made this decision. And it's like, well, they don't have to pay for their um, their mistake, I guess, which. 
I don't know. The world's not fair, man. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I mean, it does talk about some employees receiving other bonuses, like 5,000, 9,000, um, 20,000. Uh, but that's, and like it says, it's very minimal compared to the CEOs that I don't think did hardly jack shit, except for like, hey, why don't you put this like blue thing over here? Make this colorful. Do this. Mm-hmm. Do this. Or eh, we can market this better. Sir, this game is not ready yet. Fuck it. Send it's it also worth noting that despite everything that happened, 2020 was still uh, the company's most profitable year in their history. Yeah. Um, which is like, hmm, that's so interesting. I guess that ties into the article we did last week about how there was only like 30,000 refunds and the game was still sold very financially successful. Yeah. But think of the, what the games could have made. Yeah. All of the games that could have sold if the game is out correctly. So it's um, interesting. Man, interesting. The saga continues. I wonder what. Yes. Uh, I wonder what Cyberpunk CD Project Red article we'll be talking about next episode. <laughs> Employee, or there's going to be mid-level, senior-level uh, executives, you know, finding dead hookers in their places or something, or just being raided for <laughs> dead hookers. That's just or mountains of cocaine. So, now the uh, the CEO can afford his own uh, cybernetic enhancements. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Man. Life sucks. I still think we should have been aftercast about that one day. <laughs> once the news trickles down. Maybe once it's back on the PSN store. Oh, my God. It's just every time we turn around, there's something new about this place. Instantly enough, though, I did buy stock in Cyberpunk. No, really? Or in uh, CD Projekt Red, only because I had this thought that they're going. it's going to go back up. That's once, actually not like, a bad idea, probably. Yeah. Once that, like, the new Witcher stuff comes out, the new Witcher... Um, upgrades to the five once they fix 20 uh, 2077 and they are working on other ip and stuff ignore that sorry yeah. <laughs> i was like shut up rich no <laughs> sorry but yeah that's that's my thought process it's pretty low stock hmm. so that's just my thought you know I, i'm terrible at you know predicting these type of things like you know when bitcoin came out a long time ago i remember sitting in my office with some people would tell me about it. it's like yeah it's only like five cents i'm like cryptocurrency that's stupid yeah <laughs> and now i look back on Wow, I'm dumb. I no. could have bought a lot of it. Everybody feels that way. Don't worry. Yes, every, I know. Every person. Or or the, the GameStop stocks or the Pokemon cards or things that you had as a child that you're like, you know what? I don't need this no more. And then you sell it. And then like 20 years later, it's like, do you have a copy of this game still? It's worth $300,000. I'm like, motherfucker. I know, right? Sorry. I just, just horrible flashbacks I've, I've been having this whole <laughs> week about that stuff. That's not I could have been rich. Rich could have been rich. Sad. I know. I know. Anyways. All right. Next article. Um, so there was an interview with some of the people behind uh, Neo, The World Ends With You, such as its producer, Tomohiko Hirano. And as we all know, Neo, The World Ends With You is a sequel to a game that originally came out 14 years ago that had a pretty like cult fan following. I'm a big fan of The World Ends With You, and I'm very hyped over this sequel. But then the question is, why did it take so long? Because when they did the mobile port back in 2012, um, there was a, a little secret ending that introduced a new character, which seemed to imply, okay, there's going to be some kind of sequel. Well, it took you know 11 years for something to emerge from that. So their excuse for why it took so long is kind of like a mishmash of different things. Um, basically... They said because the original game was so 
unique as far as far as like you know you're you have one character fighting on one screen and your other character fighting on the other screen of the ds um that they had to find like a way to create a similar battle system or like another battle system that was very unique like that outside of you know the dual screen mechanic um they said they had a hard time securing an environment for uh the development of it and they also said that they the main people responsible were busy handling kingdom hearts which is another game that we know took forever to come out no (laughs) it felt like it anyway um there was like some kind of shift in development with the the switch being divisive and um they thought well not divisive but they were like well if we made it for the switch then maybe we can come up with some interesting control schemes for the joy con and it's just like it just took them forever to like bring their ideas together um I'm paraphrasing a lot here because it's actually a pretty long article. You can go out there and find it if you want. But yeah, uh, oh, how the times have changed. And also, I hate there's a quote in here by the author that says she's now closer in age to the barista, Mr. H, who's like a middle-aged man, than the age of the the main cast of the game. And I was like, thanks for destroying my youth. (laughs) You did not need to say that. (laughs) Uh, Banned. Band, band, band. Um, but yeah, that's it for that. So since Scott jumped ahead on the news story, we're going to jump straight into the RPGs released last week. So I really don't know if I would call this an RPG, uh, but sure, why not? New Pokemon Snap for the Switch was released April 30th. I added it just because it's Pokemon. Yeah, that's I didn't have it on the list. Um, Dragon Quest Two or Dragon Quest Builders Two for Xbox One May Fourth, um, Almighty Kill Your Gods PC May Fifth entering early access, and that's it. It's, we're hitting that kind of lull of uh, slowness. I pre-ordered New Pokemon Snap. Um, I really like the original Pokemon Snap, so I'm excited about this one. Um, and it comes with a like a Pokeball hat. So Ooh. that was all the incentive I needed. I love my hats. Um, as far as RPGs coming out this coming week, I can only find one. It's The Hand of Merlin coming to PC on May 11th, and that is also entering early access. So, not a whole lot to get excited about there, but I guess that's it for the news. Yeah. So, with that all out of the way, let's take a quick break before we get into our main discussion. Nothing in this world can prepare you for this. You have been chosen by the Elder Gods as a representative of Earthrealm to record in the podcast of the century. Every season, the best podcasters from around the world are assembled to review, reminisce, and riff on a popular franchise on the latest season of Podcasters Assemble. With the imminent release of the latest highly anticipated Mortal Kombat film, we're taking a look back at all the movies and games of the Mortal Kombat franchise. Choose your mic. Together, you will be facing off against a gauntlet of films. 1995's Mortal Kombat, 1997's Mortal Kombat Annihilation, 2020's Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge, and finally, this year's release of Mortal Kombat in theaters and on HBO Max on Friday, April 23rd, 2021. <coughs> 
go to probablywork.com for more information on how to submit to this or future seasons of the show and listen to the latest episodes of Podcasters Assemble. Mortal Podcast! All right, then. So let's get to our main discussion. That was a remix of the title theme from Golden Sun, called Golden Sunrise by Sam Dillard. I like it. That's a, a great musical piece. I, Golden Sun in general has good music. I thought we were going on a quest there for a moment. <laughs> we kind of are. What is yes. the main discussion today, Rich? Why do we play and love RPGs? I don't know. <laughs> uh, no. What? Uh, why did you want to? Why did you pick this as a topic? Well, I feel like there's so many answers and so many different types of uh, answers that we could do to this topic. Um, everybody has different reasons. Everybody has different background stories behind what drew them to RPGs. Um, I feel like everybody in the gaming community at one point or another has played an RPG. Um, so that's why I kind of wanted to get into that topic and figure out like, okay, so why do we play it? What, what makes us do this on a daily basis like what drives us to play these things like because i honestly there's multiple times that i'll pick up a game like the shooter genre like for let's just say call of duty for instance i freaking hate it i hate call of duty i hate the same stuff the same mundane you know the call of duty itself is just a you know there's a story to it yes but it doesn't make me want to play it and then the multiplayer stuff is like okay this is the same stuff every day um, Wait, it doesn't that's what I was stuff. trying to think of earlier. Sorry to interrupt you. The there's an article this week that the Toys for Bob, the company that did Crash Bandicoot Four, yeah, they're now on Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, that, that triggered my memory when you said Call of Duty. Well, there's a lot of like the Call of Duty or Activision. Most of their people are working on Call of Duty. Like that's it. That's their main thing is Call of Duty. Um, that's probably why Destiny and all of them split from them is because they felt like they were being pushed towards a Call of Duty style um, because it makes them money. But I I don't believe there's a lot of people out there that talk about this enough. It was like, what brings them to, to play RPGs? So I really want to dive into that and finding out why you play RPGs, Scott. What's the kind of background behind that? Okay. Well, before I do that, ROB in the chat asks... Uh... Where does Pokemon Snap fall on the RPG skill? It does not, not. I have not placed, uh, ran it through the test, but I'm certain it would not pass as an RPG. But we would still cover it on the show as a game related to a series that is primarily uh, RPG, just to set that straight. But anyway, to answer your question, uh, Rich, 
I think it always goes back to the story, really, for the RPGs. So my first RPG was Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars on the SNES. And um, that game, you know, it starts off with the the simple premise of, you know, Bowser's kidnapped Peach again and Mario has to go rescue her. But quickly it turns into something more than that when, you know, a giant sword falls to the sky, crashes into Bowser's castle and it sends everybody flying. And then you've got this new uh, gang of villains introduced that you have to go fight. Throughout the course of the game, you end up teaming up with Bowser and even Peach joins your party. Right from the get-go, I mean, almost from the word go, the story is more complex than anything Mario has done before. Now, as a person who has played, is a big Mario fan and had played a lot of the Mario games before I played Mario RPG, um, I was entranced from the beginning. Like, here's these characters that I know and love involved in an actual story, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I will admit that it took... I did not get the game at all when I first played it. Cause like, I was like, what is, what is this turn-based battles at the time <laughs> I hits HP? Like I was too stupid. I was a dumb little kid. Um, it was actually probably a few years later when I actually was, you know, old enough to, to get it. Um, but anyway, so like, and, and then my next RPG that I remember playing is final fantasy seven. And that one, I was like, I remember watching my uncle play it and, uh, he was he'd already he was like in the opening stage of the stages of the game but i remember feeling like so smart when i said um oh when did you get barrett in your party like using these rpg terms like party <laughs> and stuff like that um uh i don't know and then the types of games i like they're they're either super fun or they have a good story um so i think even when you compare RPGs of the day to modern non RPGs, you know, outside of like Nintendo games, the story is still usually a cut above. Um, mm-hmm. Like, yes, Call of Duty has a story. Does anybody play Call of Duty for the story? I don't think so. I, now, I I don't want to speak in broad super broad strokes because I know I've heard, I've heard some people say there's a couple of call of duty games that the story touched them or whatever, but yeah. <laughs> um, so, and it's not just the story. It's like, it, it I do have like a, a little bit of, uh, not to use this term lightly, but, um, OCD when it comes to everybody knows I'm a, a completionist and it's like seeing the numbers go up and your characters improve incrementally. Um, I don't know. I just, I just really love a, a good story in my, my gaming. Uh, and outside of that, it's like, even when, even when a, a game that's not typically story heavy incorporates more story than usual into it, it makes me love the game that much more. First example I can think of not to go to Mario again, but I, I like super Mario galaxy one, a slight bit better than Mario galaxy two. Check out our Patreon for reviews on both of those games. Um, because there's the element of Rosalina's backstory that gets introduced in Mario Galaxy 1. It's is it significant? I mean, it's not huge. It's you don't even have to like experience that part of the story if you don't want to, but it elevated that game 
high enough for me that like I really enjoyed it. Um, and I was really disappointed when Mario Galaxy 2 didn't do something similar. All right. I feel like I've ranted enough for, for the moment. <laughs> what about you? Well, so my first RPG actually was Final Fantasy VII on the PC. And I just fell in love with the type of style that it taught. Um, you know, I, I remember playing like other games on the on the PlayStation because that was really um, the most fond memory I have of a console was PlayStation One. And I played, you know, platformers, Crash Bandicoot, uh, Crash Team Racing, um, various other 007 games, and all stuff. And then, you know, I got a hold of this RPG or this Final Fantasy VII stuff, and I was like, okay, okay, <laughs> this is different there's story and text and everything. And, and honestly, I, I go back to this as, you know, RPGs was all text-based. It was very text textual based of how you deliver the story and everything. So I struggled a little bit with reading. I still struggle now. <laughs> I was about to say you used to, <laughs> I still do, but like I, it actually helped a lot more because I mean, everybody that reads more, um, whether it be newspapers, uh, magazines, uh, Twitter account, just whatever. The more you read, the more your intelligence level goes up, I believe. So whenever I was younger, I played RPGs that had a lot of textual base to it. So my reading level went up. So I was able to read more complex stuff and actually felt like I was accomplishing something as opposed to still just playing a game. So that's the real life application to that. But I mean, hell, this, wasn't the technically historically the first RPG a text adventure? It was like yeah, a it was or something. Yeah, so the the RPG gaming goes back, you know, a long time. But I really feel that Final Fantasy is what put me into the RPG genre. And I had I remember other friends occasionally like bringing over a different game, um, Legends of Lagaya for one example like a guy brought this over to a house with my brother who's a friend and uh they were playing that and i i remember seeing them playing that and i was like oh my god that's that's really cool so there's that and then legends of dragoon and then my grandmother bought me uh, bought me when she worked at walmart when she was a, a person that worked there uh, she's like hey I, I bought this the game for your birthday final fantasy 9 and she's like i know you like that that series um you know that was a family member of mine that actually bought me video games um, and knew what I liked. So my parents honestly don't really get why I play video games. They're just like, eh, whatever. Typical. As, yeah, it's typical kind of thing. It's like, whatever. Uh, they don't care much now because I'm an adult. And uh, they're like, yeah, it's his hobby. It's what he does. My wife, you know, at first, she's like, when I first got with her, um, I didn't play games. I didn't really tell her about it because I knew what type of world she was from. And I gradually introduced her to like what i do and play games and stuff she's like eh, it's your hobby <laughs> so she's like I, she's like you buy your games you play things you're, you're excited that's that's great um the biggest Side note. Are, sorry to interrupt yeah. you again you keep triggering like <laughs> stories of <my> life. <laughs> um i watched a, a a tiktok uh yesterday i think where this guy's girlfriend uh super glued his ps5 to the ceiling as like a prank <laughs> oh good god and it was like why are straight people like this or straight couples like this <laughs> uh, if that would be really like relationship ending for me so <laughs> yes it would okay um 
And then an, another story you triggered just talking about the uh, the reading aspect. I remember telling an adult at some point, I think it was one of, a close friend of my mom's at the time. Um, I was like, heck, I, I feel like video games are what taught me to read more or less. And she said that, that she found that sad and I don't really understand why. I was like, well, fuck you, bitch. And of course, I was didn't really say that. I was a young kid. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's they have all this text and they tell us a, a grand, you know, story adventure with the text. And it's just we kind of grew up with them. And it, I would say even taught us to be better people than we are today, or at least I would like to think that. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people that that really love video games to that point where they just, that's how they learn, you know, what to do in right circumstances and, you know, what really motivates people to, to do good. Um, so that's where I kind of learned a little bit about, you know, being um, a good person to in some aspects of it. You just kind of like, okay, these are, you know, the little guy, you, you want to save the world, you want to do the right thing. Um, you know, just being an all around good person, um, you a lot of different character developments. You see like the the one person going from being, let's just say, um, hell, Cloud, for example, was a dick when you first meet him. Um, and then he grows as a character to be somebody that, you know, a good friend and and really goes after and, and wants to protect friends and, and protect the world. Although it kind of did a disservice to him uh, when Advent Children came out, but whatever. Um, that's a whole nother tangent. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother deal. But like you, you get attached to those characters that you do more so than you would a, let's say an eight to nine hour game that you play like Call of Duty. You're like, oh, cool. Like, you know, the story's great. And you're like, oh man, this is awesome. It's a big grand, let's just say Michael Bay type of game. If you, mm -hmm. if you want to say, um, whereas these RPGs, you get that slow burn of, of character development, character connection. Um, you have multiple side characters. Um, I mean, so many people are connected to uh, not Cloud, but Tifa or Aerith, or, you know, they really love Yuffie. There's mm -hmm. those characters. Um, so, you know, there's so many reasons why a person will, you know, be drawn to RPGs and, and, and actually play them because it's a way for them to learn, yeah. um, you know, to read or learn to be a good person, learn to be social. Um, the community, in my opinion, is so much larger than all other genres. Uh-huh. Um, so. Another example, I know this one is very divisive, but like I've talked on this show before about how Squall is one of my favorite Final Fantasy characters. Sure, <laughs> it, and he's even, I would say, significantly more of a dick than Cloud is, but mm -hmm. by the end of the game, he's learned to be a good leader, and then he has to like lean on his friends to he can't do everything by himself, and of course, learned to love um it may take 90, 95% of the game for him to make that uh, <laughs> transformation. But uh, yeah, I, I just really admire that character arc. Uh, and another thing how I was mentioning earlier with how even today's modern games that do have a story don't quite stand up to RPG stories. Um, and that's not true in all senses, but like the, I'm thinking of Horizon Zero Dawn, which is an amazing game. Yeah. And I... I think that the story is a good one in that game. But um, even RPGs I've, pl I've played long ago or recently, I could tell you most of the main story beats. I would struggle to tell you what happened in Horizon Zero Dawn. There was a, 
a past, uh, something happened in the past. There was a CEO who was a dick and Aloy's mother was a scientist or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and that's not spoilers territory, but cause I'm being very, uh, speaking generally, but like I would, I would struggle to get more, de- much more detailed than that. Well, I mean, it looks to, to be like, you know, now the RPGs that we get are so open world where they chuck so much crap into like side quests and various things that you can do. Whereas the old school RPGs were like, okay, here's your path. You know, you could do things here and there, but here's your path, but it's a very long path. So. Also Horizon may not have been the the best example because I think that technically is kind of an RPG, but (laughs) yeah, it is. It, It is in a sense, but you know, we've gotten away from, that type of storytelling yeah i think it's just not what it used to be not saying it's bad it's called evolution um mm-hmm. it's that it's that way for a reason so so what about the outside of you the, the story and, and you know learning to re- read and <laughs> learning all, all to read <laughs> uh what is there anything about the gameplay that you would say that really attracts you to rpgs yeah so I really enjoy like some of these gameplays on these RPGs. If they've got a great magic system, if they've got a great attack system, um, armors and stuff like that, like the aesthetics piece of it. I really like when you do certain attacks and stuff in the gameplay. That's like really grandiose. Um, For example, uh, Final Fantasy 13's uh, lightning's army of one is so badass. Oh, like her, sure. her tech is just off the off the charts. Just like I use it so often at the very end of the game. I'm like, you know what? Just do this and just set it down and just watch. Um, you know, there's I mean, that's a fun ass battle system. So oh yeah. To begin with. So it's it's seeing what we could do with that type of battle system. I mean, going from a character that you, you know you just first meet, it's kind of like, okay, he's he's kind of weak ass. And then by the end of the game, it's like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. Um so th- I, I like that. I like that ability to see the change throughout the course of the game of new styles of combat. I like that. Um, I don't like the whole just, you know, I'm going to hit you with a sword, I'm going to throw a lightning bolt, and then that's basically it for the whole entire game. I don't like that. I'd rather see some grandiose stuff throughout the time. Just, I just love lightning's attack, Army of One. I'm just going to say that out loud. I don't I care. I'm pretty sure says. you brought that up on the show before, too. Yes. Um, also RPGs tend to have like a party of characters. So like you have different, there's like something for everybody. Like you may not like every character that's in your main cast, but Mm -hmm. you'll probably get attached to two or three of them at least. And a lot of times you don't have to use every character. So it's like you can customize the party to your liking and you grow with these characters as the story goes along. And the worlds of RPGs are usually, I would say more fleshed out than your standard video game as well. So, um, and just, I think I brought this up already, but just like the progression of your character strength, um, you know, like you said, starting out as a weak ass and then at the end, holy shit, you're taking um, on God at yeah. that point, <laughs> you start out, um, delivering flour, you're, you're delivering a sandwich to your neighbor and you got to get the, save the cat from the tree at the end. You have to kill God. Yep. That's a, yeah. <laughs> things scale as you go. So you're always yeah. feeling more and more epic, uh, conditions and powers and all that what would be the best thing ever in an rpg is if something like that is your first character is the first thing they do is deliver a sandwich to your neighbor and the very end they're fighting god your character turns to the other characters like you remember that sandwich you're supposed to deliver <laughs> the fuck were we thinking yeah yeah 
So um, that would be the best little like third or fourth wall break. It's just kind of like, yeah, we should have delivered that sandwich. So uh, maybe this is confirmation bias, but I also feel like RPGs tend to have better soundtracks a lot of times. Yes. Yes, um, that's very true. I don't know why that is. I guess they get the, since it's such a long story, they get these great composers or like maybe the staff themselves get wrapped up in it. And again, we're speaking in broad senses, like not everything we say is a hundred percent true in all cases, but. Well, I mean, going back to the sound stuff of it too, is like the, the story's long. So they have a lot of emotional things to play off of. So, you know, they can go from one part of the, the roller coaster ride of story of like, okay, I got this one. It needs to be upbeat. I got this one that needs to be emotional. This one needs to be tragic. This one needs to be, you know, grand. So they have a lot to play with. Whereas these smaller games, these, uh, let's say nine to 10 hour games are just like, okay, I need like six tracks. Yeah. And that's it. Whereas like Final Fantasy games have like 80 tracks, tracks to it. <laughs> so, yeah. So much so that, uh, I believe it was Final Fantasy IX that caused uh, Nobu Uematsu to retire from Square and do his own thing because yeah. it, it was like just so much fucking music he had to compose yeah. for that soundtrack. Yeah. Um, what else haven't we touched on? Um, I think we t- touched on a lot of it. Um, I don't. I mean, yes, the games look amazing um, as years go on, but you know, we kind of go back to that you know nostalgic feel of the sixteen to thirty-two bit era. Like sometimes those games are just amazing. Yeah. It's like you don't need something so over the top that it's, you know, some people prefer the Chrono Trigger style games or, um, you know, the old 32, 16 bit games over the over the top Final Fantasy 15 or, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn or whatever you want to say is they go back to that is like, okay, so why do we keep playing these? Well, it's the nostalgia feel. So, just what I that's the way I feel. Yeah. Is there just something about that? Yeah, for sure. Well, we do make a show about it, so we must like the like the things. <laughs> I mean, well, there are some that we some of these games are just like, nah, we're good. Hard pass. Wild arms. <laughs> yeah, hard pass on that one. Maybe Disgaea. I'll find out soon enough. Yeah. Um actually I was just talking to we did a review with Lauren yesterday of what did we review? Uh, Life is Strange Two, and she's a really good podcast host, uh, despite you know not having her own podcast. Um, and I was we were t- I was telling her like I'm gonna like get you addicted to RPGs so we could have <laughs> shows more often. <laughs> I ought to like curate a list of like here are the best games and best RPGs th- that you will love. <laughs> what did you, what systems does she have though? That's the question. Uh, PS3 and 4, I'm pretty sure. We're trying to get her a PS5 so we can do the, the, yeah, the cross play remote. Why can I never fucking remember what that's called? Does she have a Switch though? No. What? Okay, okay, good. (laughs) Okay. Like, we should give her a list of games that she needs to play of RPGs, um, especially on the Switch. I mean, there's like all of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. Well, if we don't got anything else, do we want to move on to the listener feedback? We got a few here. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. All right, I'll kick us off. Uh, Rob, who we mentioned earlier, uh, they said, and, and this is a long one, so everybody strap in. <laughs> Man, is that the million dollar question? I know for me, it's the story, the characters, the lore of these different worlds. It's going on these incredible journeys and having adventures that just can't happen in the day to day nine to five world. That's a good point. So I often find myself like wondering, um, what 
I'm doing with my life. <laughs> and, and I'm like, man, I wish I could just be like a, a hero in like a, a RPG. Like if there's got to be something greater meant for me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Not to get existential. Continuing on here. It's seeing people grow and watching worlds form and shape before your eyes. If I can be honest here for a minute, and then he says in parentheses, not that I'm ever really lying. Growing up, I was picked on and bullied for longer than I wish to remember. And at first, I used RPGs as an escape from this world and what was said to me until I just grew and grew and molded my imagination and creativity. RPGs drove me to write so many stories and create so many worlds of my own. I only wish when I was younger I had the confidence to do something more with them. I feel um, him on that. I yep. have, uh, when I was young, I would fill up just piles and piles of um, spiral notebooks of like stories and characters and ideas. And to be honest, a lot of them were like fan, very fan fiction or based on stuff I'd already uh, play, played. But I did want to be uh, a novelist when I was young. Um, anyway, going back. Uh, I had the comment with the, where I, I lost my place here. Uh, let me meet so many people and some of my best friends to this day. RPGs have shaped my life and they will continue to until I'm old, deaf and blind. And then while well, I've played Chrono Trigger so many times, even dementia couldn't make me forget that game. I'll play it over and over. Also, I mean, come on. Some of the best, most beautiful, emotional music comes from RPGs. Oh, so we said it. Yep. He said a lot of, uh, the same things that we did. And, uh, Telling another tangent, this is from uh, a guy I know, Greg Troyan. He has his own podcast, but I remember he was like emotional. He and his mother were like emotionally abused by his stepfather or something. Ooh. And he would he made like a, a a plan with his friends to like beat the shit out of the stepdad and tell him to like never come come back or whatever. And he said he, when he was like training for that, he would like listen and imagine like the Final Fantasy VI boss theme. So it's like, <laughs> it's maybe that's a. Did he commit a crime? Uh, I think it. <laughs> ended up being, I think his mom found out about it and it got all called oh, off. Okay. It, but <laughs> uh, okay, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, but they were ready. Yeah. They so were it's ready. just that's how much of an effect RPG can have on people. That was yeah. his RPG journey. Yep, we agree with you. This was not Rob again. It was Greg, but we agree with pretty much everything you said. Rob. Yep. All right, so Caslo. Uh, he just submitted his today. So awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, for me, I'm not sure what hooked me about RPGs. I remember my first one being the original Final Fantasy. And I love the idea of an overworld, exploring, buying, finding new gear. Turn-based were also so different than anything else. I think all of that originality hooked me. Um, originally hooked me by the time Final Fantasy 4 and 6 released. I had all that and a super compelling story when other games didn't have any real story to them other than the, the stop the bad guy. I, I agree. Like these RPGs, it, the story goes from, you know, from very little to anything to like this whole grandeur quest that you have to do. Or those other games are just like, okay, we know the bad guy is, we gotta go stop the bad guy and that's it. So those are your action games per se. Yeah, man. I can't imagine Imagine if we had discovered a game like Final Fantasy 1 uh, at that age, around the NES time, because I wasn't playing anything like that back then. Or like maybe the original Legend of Zelda. Like just the sense of scale compared to the games I was used to at that point probably would have blown my mind. Oh, yeah. Of course, I probably wouldn't have understood Final, Final Fantasy 1 at all, um, <laughs> given how I've struggled with Mario RPG. But anyway, 
We also have some feedback from Frost here who gave us a, a list actually. So again, prepare your butts. Uh, number one, level up. I have an addiction to leveling slash grinding slash farming. It's why I played so much Diablo 2. I also love trying to break battle systems through min maxing and trying to find the most efficient way to maximize my characters. I agree with that. We were sort of we sort of touched on that ourselves. Yep. That reminds me. Um, I saw an article. This could have been a news story. Some dude managed to collect every single item in Diablo 2. Um, it took him four years. And, of course, he celebrated on his stream by ripping off his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's total, what I would do. Total aside. Uh, number two, the soundtrack of my life. Lots of games have epic music, but with the story-driven nature of RPGs, songs are often associated with particular feelings. Excitement, sorrow, loss, anxiety, joy. Furthermore, unlike other genres, RPGs have a unique opportunity to have smaller, more intimate moments, often highlighted by great music. Okay, again, we agree with the music. Three, epic tales of adventures, JRPGs. The music in these games wouldn't take on the same meaning without the stories associated with them. A ragtag band of misfits go on a quest to rid the world of an ancient evil? Sounds silly, right? Except it gets me every time. I live and die with these characters. My favorite RPGs are the ones where you fail, at least at some point. This sort of goes towards like what Frost was saying is an RPG back on that episode. Yeah. No evil dick trees, though. Uh, four, choose your own adventure, Western, R- Western RPGs only. Unlike most JRPGs, Western RPGs, such as Mass Effect, Dragon Age, Oblivion, etc., allows you to tell your own story. Funny enough, I don't have the same love for the music in Western RPGs as I do with JRPGs, perhaps because there isn't the same level of direct storytelling in those games. Hmm. I think that's true for the most part. Yeah. I, I tend to, I mean, we've talked about this a hundred times. I definitely prefer JRPGs, but... Western RPGs, um, as long as it's not a silent protagonist, I also enjoy that aspect of you know developing your character and their relationships. The Western RPGs, like I, I just don't feel grab me enough as opposed to the JRPGs. Um, I just don't. There's something about it. I don't. It's hard to it's hard to talk about that because I just don't. I don't know. They just don't grab me like the Mass Effect Dragon Age. It's it's like there's too much crap that you can do at one time. That really bothers me. Hmm. My, my brain can't. I'm too simple, Scott. Yeah. I'm just. I'm just very simple. <laughs> you said it, not me. I know. I am excited for Mass Effect, though. Uh, I've never got to play those games, and I've. I think I'm going to like them, or at least we'll see. We'll find out. Yeah, I might have to try them too. Um. Okay, that's all the feedback we got. Any like final thoughts on this subject? Um. That. You know, RPGs are, are continuing growing community. It's not going anywhere. As long as, you know, we talked this last week, as long as those are old old school games are preserved, more people can play them, and that community will just continue to grow. And, you know, more people will, will find each other and, and play these games and just fall in love with the storytelling behind it. Um, there's just something about these games. Yeah, for sure. Um I was a little worried that we might talk ourselves into thinking that we didn't like RPGs by the end of this. Uh, oh, it depends on the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, remember, we did a subject on like our RPG pet peeve, or an episode on our RPG pet peeves, and by the end of it, we were like, "Do we even like these this genre?" <laughs> uh, well, I mean, each person has their own like nose. Like me, photo mode and fishing mode. You, silent protagonist. Yeah, I guess that that's um, if you think about it, those two ep- this episode and that episode could be thought of as like counterparts kind of like yeah here's what sucks about them but here's why we love them anyway 
<laughs> uh, what episode was that? That was a while ago now, I feel like. Uh, um, I can I can find that real quickly for us. Okay, do that so people can go back and listen to that, that one. Um, the RPG like reference. Pet peeves. Oops, stupid thing. Hang tight, folks. I'm, I'm hanging. Just the RPGs. We just love them. So there's something <laughs> we do. It's um, okay. Pre was it before Christmas? Generic. Yeah, it was a I while. Mean, it wasn't like forever ago, but it was a while ago. Was it the episode 35 when we talked about the worst RPG mechanics? That's probably it. Yeah. All right. So episode 35. Um, hmm, interesting that we're like almost exactly double that now. Um, yeah. Uh, well, episode twenty four. Episode twenty four is about how long is too long for an RPG. Mm. Man, now I'm getting nostalgic. <laughs> and then episode four is about the fetch quests. Oh God. So yeah. Man, we have a lot of episodes. It's much easier to talk about things you don't like than things you like um, in general. But, but I think we actually got a really good discussion out of this. Like I was a little worried we were going to struggle to fill up a segment, but here we are. Yeah, we could. Me and you could talk about RPGs forever. Both show, and, both show. And, you know, we don't have Jay with us. Scott and Rich so you throw, in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> we just need to do a drop. Like I said, drop for that. So when it's just me and you, and we say that, and we just hit the button. And just we never actually said why Jay's not here. We just, like, acted like nothing's wrong. Oh, yeah. I don't think I even said anything. I was like, all right, so this is what it is. Me and Scott, we got this. All right. Jay just like, I, I'll give my, you know, I'll just do some recording. We were going to have a recording from Jay. We were going to call it Jungle Juice with Jay, but he gave us a file that was like in binary. So that's not something that's not usable. Yeah. Um, Sorry about that, guys. Basically, he started his process of moving into the new place. They're staying in an Airbnb where he doesn't have a recording space for the next month or so. So by the time he's back, you guys will miss him a bunch. Anyway. Yes. Shall we close this out and move on to the the outro, Richard? Yeah, let's do it. All right. a remix of Too Far Away Times which is the Chrono Trigger ending theme uh, by Bug Operator um, real quick before we launch into the, the actual outro I think it might be worth mentioning that our intro and outro we asked the guy who composed those for us um, to basically use the Chrono Trigger intro and outro themes as their inspiration um, so maybe t- maybe take a closer ear when that gets played this episode and see if you can tell. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. So that's it for this week's episode, guys. Um, we enjoyed you guys being here. Scott, what are we doing next week? There is no we in next week because it will be Corey and I. Uh-huh. Um, we're going to be starting up the v- review of Valkyria Chronicles 4, which is a game we both enjoyed quite a bit. Um, but we played it like mid-early last year. 
we're just about caught up on our non-RPG reviews, but we're behind on our actual RPG reviews. So whenever it's my turn to plan episodes, I'm going to try to make them review episodes for the next while, at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look forward to that. Uh, as far as the RPG club, just one more quick reminder. Uh, we're playing World of Final Fantasy. The current goal is to complete Chapter 20 by Sunday, May 9th. Don't forget. And then I won't. launching into our plugs. Yeah, you better not. <laughs> All right, guys. So you, if you like the show, um, we would really, really, really like it if you guys rate and review us on uh, wherever you get your podcast, uh, iTunes, Google, Stitcher. Uh, I, I don't think Spotify has reviews that you can leave. Um, Apple or Amazon Music has podcasts. So please leave us a five-star review if you really like the show. Um, it really helps us with the algorithms to get more people to join the community. If you love us, you'll do it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you want to reach out to the show, you can do that by emailing us at rpgafteryears at gmail.com. If you got any episode ideas or suggestions or questions for us, that's one way to get in touch with us. Uh, another way you can support the show is um, Patreon. You guys can throw us a couple of bucks to Patreon, help us support the show. Um, that way we can continue doing some, some nice things. With that access to Patreon, you can unlock some tiers where you get early episode access, ad-free episodes, aftercasts, extra reviews. There's like 20 of them. Scott, Corey, you can hear Lauren occasionally. Um, she's in there. You can get access to the RPG Club. Uh, you can get Bill's loot sets and many more. I'm kidding about the, the Bill loot sets. Oh, God. I didn't even catch that. Uh, uh, I was hoping somebody would catch that. You did. You passed it. So if you really, there's much more. So do you have any follow up on the Patreon, Scott? Well, I was just going to say that for what it's worth, um, we always ask if, we're, if I'm looking to have a guest on an episode, especially reviews, I always like pull ask the patrons like have you played this recently or would you be willing to play through it and we have those people on the show for example frost came on for uh super mario 64 and brett came on for uh celeste so mm-hmm. we are actually looking uh, at restructuring the patreon a little bit so keep your ear to the ground on that hopefully i can get something worked out with that in the next couple weeks yep you know bill's loot set yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and rich feet picks. Yes, totally. I mean, it's it's what works. So if you guys really want to do that, uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash RPG after years. We'd really appreciate that. Yes, we would. Another thing we'd appreciate, we are live on Twitch. We're live right now. Um, we stream every Sunday, usually at 9 a.m. Eastern time. We interact with the chat, as you have no doubt heard a little bit throughout the episodes. Um, and yeah, it's, a, it's just a fun way to do our recordings We'd love it if you would join us. You can find us at twitch.tv slash RPG after years. And for what it's worth, when I do do the Patreon bonus reviews, uh, I do them on Twitch as well, usually on Saturdays at noon Eastern. So all those people that don't want to actually pay us but want that content, that is one way to get it. Yes, yes. Uh, Scott, why don't you plug yourself too, by the way? Oh, thank you, Rich. Do that. You can find me. I stream at Twitch three or four times a week. Uh, twitch.tv slash the Scott spot with underscores between it's the underscore Scott underscore spot. Um, right now I'm streaming final fantasy two, some Nautica Pokemon sword. Corey and I are going to finish with the medium and, uh, I'm looking at starting crash soon, crash bandicoot maybe. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I can play RPGs on there. So yeah, I would love it if you would come out and hang out with yours truly. 
Nice, nice. So if you are in the chat channel right now watching the show live, you can see some of our merchandise on my good buddy Scott there. Uh, the merch store is at Redbubble at redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash RPG after years forward slash explore. You can get t-shirts, mugs, no shower caps. Shower curtains though. Shower, cur- shower curtains. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I just get rid of all the stuff that's on there, but yeah, that's what you guys can you guys can get some of that stuff. Um, yeah, that's another way to support the show. Coasters. Um, <laughs> there's a lot more than you would think on there. Uh, if you want to hang out with the community, we do have an awesome community. Uh, we get into shenanigans on the, our Discord all the time. You can find the link for that in the show notes or our pinned tweet on Twitter. We would love to have you there. Yes, yes. It's still a pretty growing community. So if you got friends that you know that really love RPGs, share that. Um, in the meantime, if you want to talk to us more, um, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, the show is at RPG Years. Um, you can find me at HailBlue1569. And you can find me at the Scott Spot with no underscores. Yes. Well, that's it for episode 63. We... Uh, we have really explored our in-depth psychological enjoyment of the genre we know and love as RPGs. Join us next time for on episode 64 as Scott and Corey plug their way through the Valkyria Chronicles 4 review. We'll also hold the uh, penultimate. You put big words for a reason Penultimate. Penultimate. World of Final Fantasy RPG Club. But until then, I'm Rich. And I am Scott. Bye, everybody. I'm Jay. <laughs> I'm so mean. Bye, everybody.